0: If you haven't noticed, every Sunday morning uh, we do something. We do a lot of things, but we do this every Sunday. We take an offering. And when you think about it, taking an offering for God, some people might say, why, why do you do that? I mean, the Bible tells us that God doesn't need anything. I mean, He has all the resources uh, of the universe at His fingertips. Um, God, as the Bible tells us, has a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. Um, God created the universe, the, 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 the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars. He created us. God doesn't need anything. God is complete in himself. So why do we take an offering? You know, throughout the Bible, the primal act, the primary and primal act of worship is, is to make an offering to God, right? You look in the Old Testament. You have Cain and Abel. They make an offering to God. A sacrifice. No, Abraham, uh, Jacob, the kings and kings uh, prophets of Israel, they all make offerings to God. In the New Testament, Mary and Joseph, after baby Jesus is born, they take Jesus to the temple, they present him, and they make an offering. The Apostle Paul tells the churches in his letters, make an offering every time you get together as a people. And a few minutes ago, we, we passed the bags and took an offering. But Why? If God doesn't need our, our money, our resources, why do we take an offering? It must, be, it must be because something in the very act of giving an offering, of making an offering, is, is good for us, is beneficial for us. Uh, it's something how God has designed us, something God has designed us to do. So this morning we're going to be looking at what does it mean to, to make an offering and ultimately what does it mean to, to be an offering? You know, my church over the years or years in the church, different churches, there's kind of kind of two main camps of about money and resources and and giving and offerings and all that. There's the there's a pragmatic, practical, realist type of person, Uh, kind of a no nonsense person. Well, we have lights to to bills to pay. We have buildings to maintain. We have missionaries to support. Of course, we need to take an offering. It's sort of something we, we have to do. And nobody's come up with a better way to do it than take a break in the service and have the organist, the pianist or the choir do something pretty. You pass the bag and, and people give. That's that's the realist approach, the pragmatic, practical approach. There's also people who have more of the attitude of the idealistic. Um, you know, it's kind of a hassle. It kind of feels kind of gauche, kind of forward, but uh, awkward. But why don't we just live like the lilies of the field? Just be people of faith and pray and and God will work things out. That's more of the, uh, the idealist approach. But the Apostle Paul, he's a very practical, pragmatic guy when you read through his letters. But he also is a man who's very faith-filled, very faith-filled. And, um, and, and for him, an offering is a part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. In 1984, Dwight Lyles, he wrote a song entitled, We Are an Offering. Maybe you remember singing that um, 20-some years ago. Uh, and the lyrics are very simple. It's a very simple chorus. We lift our voices, we lift our hands, we lift our lives up to you, we are an offering. Lord, use our voices, Lord, use our hands, Lord, use our lives, we are yours, we are an offering. And so this morning we're going to be looking at what does it mean for us to be an offering. And the passage that's going to be home base for this message is one of Paul's letters to the Romans. It's Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And from these two simple verses, we're going to pull four questions and four answers that'll help us to do and be the lyrics of the song, to be an offering to God. So let's take a listen to Paul's letter to the Romans, the first two verses of chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to... Test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So before we jump into this, let's let's define what a living sacrifice is. A living sacrifice is alive, right? It can't be an object by definition. It's not it's not your money or your jewelry or your watch or your house or your car. It's more than the offerings that we give on Sunday morning, although our giving does have something to do with being a living sacrifice. But the gifts we give aren't a living sacrifice. So we got that established. Let's take a look at some of the offerings in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were offerings for, given for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of the ones that we think of often is the sacrificial system. We just read through the first five books of the Bible together, and there's a lot of stuff in there about sacrifices, right? Sacrificing doves and sheep and goats and all sorts of things. And, and those sacrifices are given for what? They're given As an offering for sin. Um, And sin, the Bible tells us, is something that we all uh, do. Right? The the Confirmation students, we teach them this is a definition for sin. Anything uh, that is contrary to God's will that we do in word and thought and in action. And so when we sin and we all do, when we fall short of God, something has to be done to make us right with God. In the Old Testament, what was done was they would make Sacrifices. Um, They might uh, kill an animal and offer to God and in a sense that animal took the place of the person. The animal took the place of, of the person and took the consequences, the punishment for the sins of that person or the people of God. In the New Testament, however, after Jesus died for us on the cross, the Bible tells us those sacrifices are no longer needed. In fact, in Hebrews, the the, the author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice once and for all. And because of his sacrifice for us on the cross, we no longer have to make sacrifices for our sins. So the offerings we give are not for our sin, not some way to get right with God, not some way to, to buy favor with God, because we can't do that. It's impossible. So being a living sacrifice does not mean we sacrifice ourselves for our sins. Although we can try to do that, we can beat ourselves up and not forgive ourselves, punish ourselves, but that's not a living sacrifice. In fact, that's that's acting as if Jesus' sacrifice for your sins isn't enough. So sometimes sins in the Old Testament were made for our sins. Sacrifices were made for our sins. But we don't have to do that anymore because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Also in the Old Testament, sometimes offerings are made just to say thank you. People would, after harvest, they would bring the first fruit of their their crops. They would bring them and present them to God as a way for them to kind of acknowledge that that these were blessings that came from God's hands. That that these were things that God had blessed them with. That they belonged to God uh, and they were thankful for allowing him to use them and to benefit from them. Psalm 24.1 says this about the ownership of, of the things we have. The earth is the Lord's in everything, everything in it. So we're simply stewards of the gifts and blessings that we have. And sometimes offerings were made to designate something for a special purpose, what the Bible calls consecration. And consecration means simply to be set apart, to be set aside, to be designated for a special occasion or purpose. Uh, for example, uh, when they were building the temple in First Chronicles, all the gifts of the people were consecrated. They were set aside for building the temple for God's purposes. So it's these last two types of offerings, offerings of gratitude or thanks, and offerings uh, of, that were consecrated and set aside for God's purposes. These are the types of offerings that Paul has in mind when he tells us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So let's take a look at these, these, these four questions and four answers. The thank offering leads us to the first of our questions, why? Why are we to offer ourselves as living sacrifices? The answer is right here in front of us, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy. I urge you in view of God's mercy. So when we have a picture of and a view of God's mercy, what he's done for us, it should fill us with gratitude. And our response should be to offer ourselves back to God. Now, grace, it's been said, is God giving us something that we do not deserve. Grace is God giving us something we do not deserve, like forgiveness, uh, peace, healing, blessings, um, the hope of heaven. And mercy, it's been said, is God not giving us something that we do deserve. Not giving us something we do deserve. And according to the Bible, because we are sinners... We deserve separation from God. We don't deserve anything from God. We're not owed anything from God. But God through Christ has given us. He's given us what we don't deserve through grace, and He's not given us what we do deserve through mercy. So Paul says, in view of that, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, as a thank offering to God. Our next question is for what purpose? Are we to offer our bodies as living sacrifices? In Exodus 19, just before Moses uh, is given the Ten Commandments by God, God tells Moses to tell the people this. He says, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then God tells Moses in verse 10, go to the people and consecrate them. So don't just consecrate the gifts they give. Consecrate the people. 1 Peter 2 says much the same thing. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. For what purpose? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now You have. Receive mercy. You know, in our kitchen um, above the fridge, we have a cabinet, and in that cabinet, we don't go there very often. But in that cabinet above the the fridge in the kitchen, there is a set of china. Uh, was, we were given some china when we were married, and and uh, we don't use that china very often. We don't use it every day. We don't use it every week. We probably don't use it every month, but we do use it once in a while for holidays or dinner parties or just. Just because we want to feel special that night. And I imagine many of you have china or dishes or glasses or tablecloths like this. It's stuff that you pull out uh, for, um, for special occasions. Um, you could use it every day, but you don't. They are made and they're given to you to be set apart for special purposes, special times. Well, from the very beginning of the nation of Israel, God's people were to be set apart, consecrated for God's special purposes. But not just for special days or special holidays or special services. Those purposes were to be; they were set apart for God's purposes in their everyday life, each and every day. And we are we are the same. We are set apart for God's purposes to point people to Jesus Christ in everything that we do, in every way, in every day. Our next question is: How do we become a living sacrifice? Take again a look at verse 2 of Romans 12. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, what is the pattern of the world? Well, the pattern of this world is, is to think of ourselves first and, and to make sure that we and ours have what we need, that we keep what we have and we get what we want. The pattern of this world is to, is to protect our reputation and to avoid responsibility. The pattern of this world is to use people and to treat them according to what they can do for us and how they make us feel. The pattern of this world is to seek pleasure and comfort above all else. And if we are to be a living sacrifice and offering to God, we must be aware of these patterns and be intentional to get out of them. It's like when you uh, drive on an old uh, country road and and there's no gravel. It's just dirt. And after there's been a a lot of rain and the kind of sun comes out and dries up, you have these ruts and and you bounce around. It's hard to get out of those ruts. And it's dangerous to stay in those ruts. Our minds have to be renewed. Our mindset must be changed. Our values and priorities have to be reordered. And this happens through the renewing of our minds, the Bible tells us. Through immersing ourselves in God's word, through through the Holy Spirit's work, through prayer, through godly counsel. And God's word tells us that we are defined not by what we have or or by what we do, but by what God has done for us and who we are in Christ. And God's word tells us that we are to serve people, not to use them or exploit them. God's word tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's what discipleship means. Jesus summed it up for us in Matthew 16. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. That's to be our mindset, our perspective. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice, to, like Jesus, give up our life for the sake of others and to follow the Father's will. Sounds like a lot to ask. Give up your life. Offer yourself as a sacrifice. It is a lot to ask. God's grace is not cheap and his call is not easy. But there's a benefit to it. Verse 2 again. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the result is this. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you sometimes struggle with, what does God want me to do in the situation? What what is the next step for my life? How does he want me to respond uh, with this person? Or what does he want me to do with the, the days I have left? Don't blame God for not telling you if you haven't surrendered yourself to him. If you haven't completely given yourself to him. If you're conformed to the pattern of this world. Now, we can obviously know some of God's will without being completely sold out for Christ. We can look at the scriptures and and know what it says about us and our need for God and what it says about how we're supposed to treat people and, and, and who God is. But if you're confused about what God wants you to do in your life, it may be that there are things in your life that you're holding back or that have a hold on you that you haven't offered to him yet. And a living sacrifice holds nothing back. Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, I die daily. I die daily. He's not talking about Jason, the Halloween movies. You die, you come back, you die, you come back. He's talking about being an offering. A living sacrifice. Daily giving up his, his agenda, his will, his stuff. And allowing God to use him for whatever purposes God has for him. So what are some of the things that could hold us back that we need to offer to God? It can be our hobbies. It can be our relationships. It could be our work. It could be our appearance. uh, It could be things that we use, uh, use our time for. It could be our resources. Whatever they are, when we offer them to God, when we release them to God, it helps us keep them in their proper place and it keeps us on that altar as a living sacrifice. So why do we take offerings? Why is, oh, God doesn't need our stuff. He wants us. And if we need our stuff too much, if we hold on it too closely, then that keeps us from Him. That's why God asks us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. God wants us all. He wants all of us. We are truly to be an offering. And so as we stand and sing a song of commitment and consecration, use the time to reflect upon God's mercy. He has not given you what you deserve. Thank God for that. Use the time to think about the things in your life that you need to offer to God. And use the time to, to offer yourself to God, a living sacrifice set apart to declare the praises of our great and mighty father let's pray father we are grateful for all that you have given us all the ways that you have blessed us and lord we we thank you uh, for your great grace and your great mercy and so lord in view of the mercy that you've bestowed upon us lord we 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 offer ourselves back to you we know it's a daily struggle and we crawl off that altar and then we crawl back on and we hold on to things. We hold things back. But Lord, we want to grow and we want to be, become people who um, truly offer ourselves completely to you. And so, Lord, we just pray that your Spirit would reveal to us the things that we need to release to you, uh, that your Spirit would reveal to us where we are conforming to the patterns of this world and where we need a we need to have our mind renewed and our perspective changed and our, our heart and attitude changed. And Lord, we just pray that uh, you would do those things in our lives so that we truly would be renewed and, and know your good and pleasing and perfect will and that we would point others to Jesus Christ through our lives each and every day, set apart, set aside, to be in the world but not of it, to be light and salt, to point others to you, Lord. We offer ourselves to you completely, body, mind, and soul. In Jesus' name, amen.